Welcome to Successful Parenting, where we, Jackie Rue and Robin Choquette, share practical skills for families to build resilience and healthy connections. As practicing professionals and parents ourselves, we hope this podcast is a resource for parents to grow, reflect, and learn more about themselves and their children. Our approach is simple, tangible, and most importantly, we lead with compassion for the integrity of the families we serve. This podcast should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for informational purposes only. We love our work and we can't wait to watch families gain confidence and open themselves up to new ways of successful parenting. Hi, Jackie. Hey, Robin. How are you doing? I am good. Anything new on your end? Ah, just enjoying the the last parts of summer as much as we can. And I know uh, you have a big birthday coming up. Are you doing anything or have you done anything fun for your birthday? Yeah, we've already kind of celebrated. So I think it's going to be low key. I'm taking the day off. I have not scheduled clients for that day. And I am just going to, I think, relax and do my own thing. That is awesome. You know, this time of year, as we've talked about, comes so quickly. You know, lots of great stuff we're going to be talking about today, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Today, we're going to, on this episode, we're going to be talking about the signs and symptoms of anxiety. And I'll be honest, we're new to podcasting, and everyone says it gets better. So listeners, just be gentle with your reviews. It's going to get better. But I start to feel that anxiety in my stomach. My shoulders get really tight. And I know a lot of the kids will say the same thing. And we talk a lot about, because some of the kids will really focus in on those somatic symptoms. You know, I would agree. And I think for me, I know um, sometimes it can be difficult to distinguish between anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for me, I know the two can go together, but I feel anxiety more in my in my stomach. And when I'm stressed, I feel it more as a tightness in my upper back. And sometimes the two can go hand in hand. But it's interesting when I am approaching a new situation, or I am approaching for me something where I know it's going to be evaluated by others, I tend to feel more of that anxiety, right? So like with podcasting, you know, as much as Robin, I think you and I are experts when it comes to parenting, I think learning technology and learning podcasting has been kind of a new, a new thing for us. Um, Robin, you know, we always joke it's, you know, we love leaning in and, and trying new, but it definitely does cause feelings of uncertainty. And for me, you know, it is that heart and in that stomach. Yeah. After it's really interesting. I can get that anticipatory and I know in other podcasts, we've talked about that. Jackie, I can get that anticipatory, but afterwards I will get a lot of anxiety I've noticed and I will do a lot of that ruminating and thinking about what I said and what I should say. And when we think about anxiety and that's some of the things we find, right? You get that ruminating, racing thoughts, excessive worry. You and I, sometimes we go, okay, we're overthinking this. Let's kind of pull back and and stop trying to be so perfect. (laughs) And that's exactly it. You know, I think when we do have thoughts so often are just, you know, results of how we're feeling. And I think when we do start to get in that place of, of feeling a little bit anxious, we can have thoughts that reflect it of, you know, and we always joke, it's like that famous, what if, if this isn't as good as we wanted it to be? What if others don't like it? What if, and I know Mm -hmm. for me, the what if can be very looming. And I've, I've done a lot of work on my end, as well as with, with the families I work with of moving that what if to, 
it will be what it is and that's okay. It doesn't, and I love Robin, how you say it doesn't have to be perfect to be really great. And sometimes I think we can be our hardest critics on ourselves. So true. And, you know, we think about the signs and symptoms. So you get the body, the physical stuff. And for some people, they can really focus in on those somatic symptoms. I remember Jackie and I were at a behavior hospital and that's actually where we met and worked a number, number of years. I won't give out years, but for a long time. And And I remember we would have, you know, adolescents and children coming into the program. And a lot of times they would be very focused on those physical symptoms. And we had a great resource with nurses and other staff there. You know, sometimes it was about their temperature. And about six months ago or so, I had someone that I was working with. And often what would happen was that the child would have uh, a rise in temperature, and then the parent would let the child stay home. And so what we worked on with this family is they came up with a plan so that they would know exactly what needed to happen for the child to stay home. And we were able to incorporate their primary care doctor. It was the pediatrician. We were able to incorporate the school nurse and talk about this plan of how to handle the temperature. It was really, really helpful because you have to be aware if a temperature is up, the school doesn't want the child to come. Obviously medical, you want to be aware of that. But sometimes, we will see temperatures rise for some people when they're highly anxious. Well, I, Robin, I think that's such a great point because I think in a lot of the kiddos we work with and, and children do also have uh, medical issues that can mm-hmm. exasperate the anxiety. So, yes. you know, actually a lot of what we're going to talk about today can help children that have anxiety as well as complex medical issues, because I do think uh, the two really go hand in hand, but definitely, you know, when we are in that anxious state, we have physical symptoms. And for many kiddos or k- children, you know, when they start to feel anxious, they say, I don't feel well. And the parents that I work with really have a tendency to, to focus in on those physical symptoms. And so I think in reality, what can heighten anxiety, really the factors are those things that as parents, we tend to do because as parents, so often we, we want our children to be, and Robin, we hear this all the time, we want our children to be happy. And so we find, at least I find myself as a parent wanting to do those very things that can make anxiety worse. And some of those can be you know, reassurance. As we've talked about previously, reassurance, reassurance actually heightens anxiety. And so saying things like, you'll be fine. Are you okay? Even if you have a child that has a lot of physical symptoms, you know, frequently asking, are you okay? Or how are you feeling? actually can heighten the child's anxiety. And when the child does, I can't do this. I cannot do this. That can be really hard to hear. Right, right. And likewise, I don't feel well. You know, when our children are struggling, for many parents, and we've talked about this, we want so much for them to feel better that we find ourselves, you know, reassuring or even helping the child avoid. You know, when we are feeling overwhelmed, when we are feeling anxious, we have a tendency to want to avoid those things that make us uncomfortable comfortable. But as parents, what will really help the child be able to manage the anxiety is helping the child face those fears, face those periods of uncertainty. And so avoiding reassurance and avoiding feeding into avoidance. I was working with one mom and her daughter. And, you know, when it was time to get ready to go to a social engagement, the mom noticed the daughter would become really anxious. And soon the daughter tried to avoid going to the social interaction because she was feeling really, really anxious. And the mother and I talked and the 
the mother had debated holding her back because she knew that the situation was making her feel anxious and she wanted her to feel relief. But what we talked about, even though, you know, going to the social situation might heighten her anxiety, if she was able to work through that, she would on the back end feel confidence that she just handled a difficult situation. And as we know, that's really what helps anxiety relieve. So true, right? Helping the person to relearn that the experience anxiety is about when it gets to that higher level, it's about the perception of the threat is greater than the actual threat and allowing them to stay in that spot. And I I agree with you that avoiding is so easy to fall into. Yeah, that is, you know, that is, it's such a good point. And I remember, you know, you referenced when we worked in the hospital setting, you know, Robin, we've created a lot of curriculum for different programs and we've consulted with several programs. And we always go back to wanting a lot of the curriculum to reflect helping parents and children learn to manage their discomfort. You know, you hear us often say, we teach people to be comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, and that's that's so vital in that curriculum is creating uh, opportunities for parents and children to work through feelings of discomfort, as well as um, learning it's okay to experience disappointment. You know, for many, many children, they, they talk about how upsetting it is just even at the possibility that disappointment might occur, but really recognizing I can be okay. You know, as we're building that resiliency and grit in our children, I can be okay not being okay. And I can work through something really difficult, even if it's disappointing. And I love, Robin, how you say the more you work with your families to take risks, even if they're not going to work out, you love seeing how confident they become. The parenting. I th- I think that's for me one of the hardest part is is seeing the disappointment and I have to really watch because even with my grandchildren now I don't want them to be you know disappointed and I have to be very aware of I'm not interjecting in a way to avoid disappointment for them and I think that is something most parents probably could really relate to when I say that. Well and I think the other two areas that we always try to incorporate in our curriculum is is really teaching children and families how to communicate and and really apply those conflict resolution skills, as well as being able to reach out and ask for help. I was, I had the opportunity this week, Robin, uh, to present to a whole uh, school of educators. And one of the things I asked is, do you find that your students really struggle asking for help? And they said, absolutely. We don't feel like our our students, and this is a high school, mind you, we don't feel that our students know how to communicate with us what they need. And we feel like our students really struggle just problem solving and being able to figure out situations on their own. And so interesting when we see these different areas, managing feelings of discomfort, experiencing disappointment, building problem solving and conflict resolution skills and and communicating. These are four key areas that as we develop them in our children, it really does help them learn to confidently manage their anxiety and those feelings of uncertainty. Yes, I love it. So let's talk about some strategies for our families out there. Number one I think about is avoid enabling your child. Being aware of those patterns, being aware of our own stuff and watching out 
adult helping the child avoid the situation and enabling that. Well, and I know, and I don't love the word enabling, and you and I were, were talking about this this week, but it really is about, you know, because as parents, we all come from that place where we love our, our children and we want them to be okay. But sometimes the more we, you know, lean in and, and have them rely on us, we sometimes miss opportunities for them to develop that confidence. And so I think one of the things that's so great about, you know, our workbook, about the work we do is we really work with parents to develop self-awareness. What are patterns of behavior that are even possibly robbing our children of opportunities to develop confidence. I would say across the board, one of the things I notice is with my uh, children that struggle with anxiety is that they really struggle with this lack of confidence of, I don't believe I can handle new situations or difficult situations. I don't believe I will be able to handle it when things get tough. And I love how we kind of start to shift and do things a little bit different. So they do start to see, I can handle this, even if I'm uncomfortable. I can handle uh, new situations and, and different. And what you said earlier, Jackie, of learning how to be uncomfortable, helping the child learn how to be uncomfortable, allowing the child to be uncomfortable so that they're comfortable being in that space. And I think part of that is helping the child to foster those self-soothing skills. When we allow them to develop those and utilize them, we start to see the child, as you said, gain the confidence, even if the outcome isn't what they want. Absolutely. And I think this isn't necessarily going to come easy. And I think for all of us, it's a work in progress. I think the more we do start to develop goals in our parenting, whether it's to allow your child to be uncomfortable or, you know, to allow your child to take on new situations or even be accountable. And, and this is something we talk a lot about. Can we hold children who are experiencing anxiety accountable for their actions? And I used to joke that, you know, anxiety doesn't make you throw something against the wall or scream or yell or anxiety doesn't make you not go to a restaurant. Anxiety right. can make it more difficult to do things. But I think sometimes when we have children that have anxiety, and I've been guilty of this too, we have a tendency to make a lot of excuses. Well, they can't. And a mom said to me just even yesterday, you know, well, he was really tired. He was just tired. And the boy had really, and he's a middle school boy, and he had had a pretty large tantrum. And, and mom just said, well, he's just tired. And I said, that might be, but we still need to kind of have some expectations around the behavior, even though the child might be anxious or tired. And sometimes when we start making excuses for children, it really lowers the expectations. And, and I don't know that it really does them a good service. Yeah. You know, I always use the and. I think it's so important. You know, he's tired and the rest of it. I think that's really important. And I'll actually stress that because I think both of those can be true at the same time, although it feels very different. And I think the more that we can be more clear and concise with what we're saying, I think it helps to create and fosters structure and com consistency. For a lot of families, I'll suggest that they just write it down. Absolutely. And ultimately, that's what this this mom did a really great job of doing is she said, I understand that you're really tired, but you still due to the acting out behavior, you know, there is still going to be a loss of privilege for today. And, and the child got really upset. But it really helped the child feel that there was clear expectations, you know, and a lot of times I'll even use the example of, you know, when they're in school or they're in a job, even if they're tired or anxious, there's still going to be those expectations. And so how do we create some of that at home? And I love it, but we see it time and time again.
again, that really uh, children do better with consistency and structure. But so often at home, we kind of take it off because we start to feel our way through things. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting when parents will say it doesn't happen outside of the home, but it happens inside of the home. And what I always ask the parents, and I know you do this as well, of what do you think is different and how can we help support the child? Because we want them to be able to express and fully be able to experience emotional, but do it in a way that makes them feel good about themselves versus when they're having a complete meltdown or they're, as you said, throwing things. At the end of it, when I talk to children about those type of situations, they feel horrible about themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, and we know this stuff works. It just takes a lot of practice. And, you know, really, as you start to develop some of these goals within within your home, we have found that that just starting with something that's really realistic, you know, like you said, Robin, writing it down. So writing down even some goals that you may have in your parenting, some some things that you really want to teach your children through your parenting. Maybe it's, you know, confidence, maybe it's to allow them to manage feeling uncomfortable and really writing, writing out some expectations for the child and really just reviewing them, you know, daily, much like they would at school or home. And for some parents, they tell me, they like to even mirror some of the expectations from school to home to keep it more consistent across the board. They find that really helpful. And I think, Robin, you had said once, it takes about two weeks of doing something new consistently to really start to see the benefits of the change. And we talk so much in our parenting workbook about a family plan, but creating a family plan that can really help create some of that structure and consistency for the child will really lead to overall emotional emotional, and even physical health for the child. True. So, so true. So many great strategies to talk about because the goal, right? The goal for every parent you talk about, all the families out there is they want these healthy children. They want people to be able to have all types of experiences and walk away. And I think the word that you keep using is that confidence because the more confident, the more they're willing to put themselves outside of that comfort zone. And there's where we get to gain more more and more experiences that lead to higher development of skills. Yes. And, and, and again, it takes time. It's, you know, this is not a, it's not a perfect science for any of us. And as Robin always said, you know, we've, we've made all the mistakes. And so one of the things that's been helpful for me is just going back to, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And no matter where parenting is at or where parents are at, all children struggle with something. And, and part of it is just really learning, you know, to embrace the struggle and know that it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think think we're wrapping this up, Jackie. So I am going to tell myself after this recording, it's okay. Let it be what it is that it is. Listeners are going to give us some grace as we're learning this process and hope everyone has a great day. Thanks so much and have a great birthday week, Robin. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Jackie. Bye. Thank you for joining us and make sure to subscribe and like us to catch our next episode where we will take you on a journey to find new ways of successful parenting.